Hi, this is Jan Miyazaki, the host of the Wednesday 8 o'clock buzz. Thank you for tuning into WORT. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a donation at wortfm.org slash donate. So joining me, Jim Walsh, Policy Director at Food and Water Watch. And I wanted to talk with him about a piece that I was reading at Food and Water Watch, and that's another go-to site I think folks should be familiar with, if you're not, um, on what the biggest fights for food, water, and climate are in 2024. So thank you, Jim Walsh, for joining me. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Hey, so um, I liked it because it was a great, I, I, I need people to just keep me informed and have it summarized well. So let's just start with some of the big fights ahead of, ahead of um, uh, for food, water, and climate uh, this year. Um, wh- what are the ones that, 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 that you think are the most in, important, the biggest ones? Sure. And, you know, I, I think it's something that's very important for everyone to, to know is that there's a lot of coverage of the gridlock going on in Washington, D.C., the inability to move policies and debates and the inability to compromise. But there are real opportunities to move forward strong progressive policies that can protect our food, our water and climate this year. And a lot of that is in Congress's hands. Um, at the top of the list is working to ensure that we pass a fair farm bill for all. And Congress uh, is was supposed to take up the farm bill last year. It got punted to this year. Uh, it looks like that uh, earlier this year that there is an opportunity for Congress to move forward a farm bill that actually makes investments in working to build sustainable food systems and regional food systems and stop diverting resources to big agricultural corporations that are profiting off the exploitation of rural communities. And, and towards that is really making steps to divert conservation funding away from big factory farms. There's a lot of uh, opposition from Republicans to from Republicans about what they say about runaway spending. Well, one of the places that we can cut right now are massive subsidies that go to support factory farms that are undermining sustainable uh, animal raising operations across the country. I, I know folks in Wisconsin are all too uh, familiar with what we've seen in the downturn of the dairy industry and what we're, you know, in, in the state and the moving of big farms to California and elsewhere. And a lot of that has been perpetuated through the, the direct subsidies of the federal government for uh, factory for policies that support factory farm development. And we need to reverse those uh, sorts of policies. We can also start making common sense investments in our drinking water and stop efforts by big corporations to divert public resources to private water companies. And there's an effort right now that we're fighting in Congress that uh, will allow uh, big private water companies to get resources uh, that are otherwise diverted for public uh, entities to, to maintain and repair and upgrade sewer systems around the country. And by diverting those resources to private companies, we'll be increasing uh, subsidies for big corporations while impacting the ability of communities across the country that to update and maintain their clean water drinking drinking systems and, and, and their uh, sewer systems. And I, I think the you know, last big picture thing um, is really thinking about some of the big climate scams that we're wasting tremendous amounts of money on. 
Uh, many in the Midwest are very familiar with the push to build massive pipelines to transport carbon dioxide across the country. This is a scam being pushed by the fossil fuel industry that uses the CO2 mostly for oil drilling and the big ethanol industry, which is uh, really working to green, further greenwash their dirty energy uh, with this carbon capture technology that really doesn't work effective, especially well, and also it creates a significant risks and dangers for communities because the transportation of carbon dioxide is very dangerous and something that we're still working to wrap our heads around how this could potentially be done safely. Can you talk about the effort to, more about the effort to maintain control over water at the community level, the, the protection of state regulations that protect water, those kinds of efforts to unravel all of that. Say more about that. You were talking a little bit about it. Sure. Yeah. So there's a lot of places that we need to be thinking about playing defense to protect some of the resources that we have already. And so what we're seeing is that uh, private water companies are aggressively working to take over publicly owned water systems across the country and also take over publicly owned sewer systems. These are systems that, um, you know, have local community control over these resources. And by allowing corporations to secure public money, uh, this would increase their ability to take over those ailing water systems. And one of the things that happens in these uh, takeovers is that with a reduction in public resources for, for safe drinking water um, for public utilities, the private water companies then put themselves in the, in, the, in the position to be the ones who can provide the capital resources for water investment and infrastructure. And they pitch it as something as, we'll pay for these uh, things so your municipality doesn't have to. But in reality, we all wind up paying for it. We just don't pay for it with bills to the to the municipality. We pay for it with bills to the private water company, and those bills are 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 consistently higher uh, that we pay to those private water companies because those companies have inherent issues that drive up costs, the profits for CEOs, the profits for shareholders, um, as well as concerns for quality of service because these private companies actually do not have to disclose the same information that public drinking water sources have about how they determine uh, what where they're investing resources and how those resources are going for service and, and things along those lines. And so it's a very big concern. We're also seeing attacks on, on water resources at the federal level for protecting safe, clean drinking water. Um, a lot of people have heard discussions about permitting reform uh, going forward at the national level uh, in the past. And those, the, while there's not um, something moving right now on permitting reform, that's an ongoing threat. And one of the major things that the, those advocating for permitting reform are, are pushing for are actually laws that will make it easier to pollute drinking water sources. And one of the ways that they're looking to do this is to actually revoke state authorities for enforcing the uh, Safe Drinking Water Act and the Clean Water Act. And by revoking those uh, additional authorities, if a state were to enact standards that were stronger than the federal standards, these pushes would actually work to undermine those stronger standards that states set up to protect their drinking water. Now, um, also, I, I'm hearing about the transporting of nat liquef liquefied natural gas. What's going on with that? Sure. So 
there's been a lot of reporting about the recent announcement by President Biden's halt on LNG exports. And I, I think it's important for people to understand that this isn't a uh, halt to all LNG exports. What this is, is a, it's a, uh, a halt to permitting uh, projects to export, new projects to export gas out of the country to non-free trade countries, while the Department of Energy reviews the standards that we use to determine whether or not those exports are in the public interest. Now, the DOE should have done that a long time ago. We're glad to see that they're doing it now. It's a positive step. Our, our uh, way of evaluating the export of natural gas is extremely outdated. But the reality is, is that there are several other permits for um, over a dozen projects that are pending between, uh, amongst various federal agencies, ranging from the Environmental Protection Agency, the Department of Transportation, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, and others. And those federal agencies have decisions to make on permitting. None of those permitting decisions have been put on hold. And there's also a enough LNG that is already approved to increase exports during the um uh, during this period of time that the uh, that 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 this pause is in place, and Secretary Granholm from the Department of Energy was actually on television this weekend touting the fact that we can actually ramp up LNG exports while this pause is in place. And it's particularly concerning because we know that LNG, uh, liquefied natural gas is extremely harmful for the planet. It's actually 20, almost 25% worse for the planet than coal. And this is a not just a, a climate disaster, but it also um, has significant impacts on, on air and water quality for communities near these LNG facilities, but also along the entire supply chain, because the, the source of the liquefied natural gas are fracking wells around the country and that, that are brought through massive pipelines to these LNG facilities at the coast. And we know that those pipelines and fracking activities can impact water quality, can impact uh, air quality, and lead to real public health concerns, uh, such as increasing rates of cancer and, child, uh, and childhood uh, mortality rates. You know, I, I'm speaking uh, with Jim Walsh, Policy Director at Food and Water Watch, and we're talking about some of the biggest fights for food, water, and climate in 2024. You should log on to the website to read more about these and more. You know, and also that Congress is working and that we cannot deflect our attention from what's happening there or who knows what, right? Well, that's exactly it. I, there, there's a lot of decisions going on in Congress right now. Um, they just released the um, uh, top line appropriations uh, numbers for 2025. And, and this is the uh, money that Congress will be spending uh, for the upcoming fiscal year. We're still working on the current fiscal year, but these are the upcoming fiscal year. And I think it's important to recognize that you know, these are budgets are things that have to pass and they're a reflection of our priorities. And Congress has real decisions about whether or not they're going to invest in, in policies and invest in, in solutions to our climate crisis or in 
uh, policies that are going to prop up the fossil fuel industry. And we know we have proven technologies um, in clean renewable energy. We know that energy efficiency can go a long way to reducing emissions and that we need to be pushing electrification. And so they can make investments in policies that will move those forward, or they can continue to invest um, billions of dollars a year, literally, uh, uh, you know, as much as 10 to $20 billion a year in fossil fuel industry uh, subsidies. Hey, thank you, Jim Walsh, Policy Director at Food and Water Watch. Log on to their website for information about all of this and more. And Jim, I'm so glad we could talk on this month. It's the last day, but I'm just so glad we could talk. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye.